It says on. Okay, now we're working. Before we get into the lesson tonight, I want to mention to you the gospel meeting that's going on and goes on through tomorrow night at Greens Lake Road. I was over there Monday night and Tuesday night. And David Smith is preaching on perfection through. Monday night it was prayer. Last night it was adversity. And uh, so there's one more night of that meeting. And you can ask Bobby and Effie. You can ask Sandra. They were all there Monday night. David has improved. David's my boy. He grew up here at White Oak. I baptized him when he was about 14 years old. And he's well into his 30s now. And uh, it's the improvement that you see in him as a gospel preacher. He, he's, he's excellent. And you know you've seen him on Good News Today. He's on there. And it's about every program with his Be Ready Always uh, series. And does a great job with it. So David's a good Bible student. <coughs> and I would encourage you, if you can go tomorrow night, to go at 7 o'clock. And hear the lesson that he'll present because it'll be outstanding. I'll guarantee you, I plan on being there. Uh, he's he's good, doing a good job as a gospel preacher. Sometime back, I got to thinking about something. Jim, did you ever preach a lesson on death? Did you ever preach a lesson on death? Yeah. I got to thinking about that. I hadn't done that. And... Uh, of course, have dealt with it from time to time, different uh, points and lessons. But to, to just take a look at the Bible and go through and look at the Scriptures and see what the Scriptures had to say about death. We know that it's something we're faced with. It happens every day. You don't go by a day, you pick up the paper, there's an obituary column in it. People die every day. And so we need to be aware of the fact that death is something that we have to deal with and we need to know what the Bible shows us about death because the Christian has no reason to fear death. And so we need to to realize that. So I just sat down and began to put some things together and you have it on an outline there uh, concerning what the Bible says shows us and teaches us about death. As he indicated there, it's something we don't like to think about, do we? We don't want to give consideration to that. But it's something that does come away. It's universal to all people, as you see there at B on your outline. Notice that scripture, Ecclesiastes three nineteen through 21, given to you there. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beast. Even one thing befalleth them. As one, as the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath. So that a man hath no preeminence above a beast. For all is vanity. All go unto one place. All are of the dust. And all turn to dust again. Who knoweth the spirit of man that goeth upward and the spirit of the beast that goeth downward to the earth. And that's Ecclesiastes 3, verses 19 through 21. A lot said in those verses. Man, beast, it doesn't matter. 
Jerry, Jerry, we didn't any outlines left. Oh, I'm sorry. They're they're all gone. <laughs> I appreciated Janice. I I got to ready to run this thing off, turn my computer and everything off before I went to Florida. Everything came on fine. I hit the button on the printer. It wouldn't do a thing. It wouldn't come on at all. So I had to email this to Janice and get her to make the copies, and I appreciate her doing that. But this this makes it plain. Man came from dust. He's going to go back to dust. That's exactly what the Bible reveals to us. Uh, and we know what brought sin, uh, what, what, what brought death about. Turn to Romans 5. <clears throat> In Romans 5, <clears throat> an explanation is given to us here. <clears throat> if I get my pages apart. Notice in verse 12, he says, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. That gives us the reason that we have to deal with death. Sin entered into the world, And death came as a result of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were put out of the garden. Oh, they lived on for a while. But we know very little about them after that. But their sin, Adam's sin, is what brought death upon mankind. As a result of the sin, man had to die. And you see, you've think a little bit about that. Jim was talking about a while ago the great suffering that Christ went through. And he did that because of what has happened to man. The sin that has come into the life of all people cannot be forgiven until death was paid. The penalty of death was paid. And that's what Christ did when he died on the cross. He paid the penalty for every one of us. Not one of us could have any hope of eternal life without the death of Christ. That's why that death is so significant. And why on the first day of the week we need to remember it and what Christ did for us in that death. But it's because then that Sin entered into the world, that death came upon mankind. Now notice there on the outline, the time of death is unknown. We don't know. As an old man, Isaac pointed out this fact, and he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Genesis 27, verse 2. None of us know when we're going to die. We know we will, or Christ will come again before we die, and we'll be immediately changed if he does. So we know that that is something that is in front of us beyond a shadow of a doubt. 
when although Isaac was old man, he still didn't know when he would die, how, how long he would live. And then the psalmist declared, Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbreadth, and mine age is nothing before thee. Verily every man at his best state is altogether vanity. O oh, spare me, that I may recover strength before I go hence, and be no more. That's Psalm 39, verses 4 and 13. We know we're going to come to the point where we'll be no more. And we see that every day, as we said, people die every day. And we need to be aware of the fact that that's something we're all faced with. I lost a 25-year-old son-in-law that was on a tractor. And the tractor turned over on him and killed him. My daughter was had a 16-month-old and she was pregnant at the time that happened. And you talk about hitting the church at Cahutta hard. It did. That first Sunday after that had eight responses to the invitation. So death is there. But we don't like to think about it. We don't want to give consideration to that. But we need to understand what the Bible does teach and that we are then, as the next C there indicates, we are always near death. And David swore over and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. First Samuel 20 and verse 13. You know, that really... It came home to me when Ann died. She was there. Got up, went over to her chair and sat down, got ready to go to the doctor. We got up, went out, got in the car, and death came. It can happen that quick. So, but a step between me and death. And that's for every one of us. For every one of us, that's the way it is. I was talking about when my son-in-law died. Eight days after he died, a 41-year-old man that I had baptized, he and his family into Christ. And eight days after Randall died, that 41-year-old died. I mean, just suddenly he was gone. And again, the congregation was hit hard by that. And that Sunday when I preached, there was eight or nine more people responding to the invitation. So we need to know, we need to understand, death is always there before us. And we need to recognize that and be prepared. You see... There's no reason for us to fear death as Christians. 
That's just a transition. And we can look forward to it. And so then, as David said, nothing but a step between me and death. Now, D, there are many people fear death, but those who do righteousness do not have to fear death. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. In verse 28, Christ is teaching here. He says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the, the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. The power of God. Yes, God has control of everything. And he's never given up that control. He's got it. And he can give us extra time. What was the man's name? Hezekiah. He was sick unto death. But he prayed to God and asked for more time. And he was granted more time. Lived another 15 years. But you see, again, we have no idea when that's going to come. And that ought to motivate us to do what's right. Because when we do what's right, we don't have to fear death. It's just a transition to another, another part of our being, becoming a spiritual being. Then E there, death brings rest to those who are righteous. For now should I have lain still and been quiet. I should have slept. And then I had been at rest. He's talking about dying. Job 3 verse 13. Being at rest after dying. You're at rest after dying. If you're righteously serving God. And it's interesting when the Bible teaches the fact that God takes care of the righteous. Acts 10, verses 34 and 35. God appreciates righteousness. And when we do righteousness, and that's what we do in living the Christian life, we do righteousness to prepare ourselves so that when death does come, We'll be prepared for it. You know, all of you know, and Jane knows, Lewis was a great example of a person going on when he was first, but he knew what was coming. He knew that. But he was here. I know he was here when he didn't feel like being here. But he didn't go by feelings. He was here because he wanted to be here. To be prepared. To be in a right relationship with God. So then, there's a rest to come after death. And then up there, the death of the righteous is precious to God. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Psalm 116 verse 15. 
So when you begin to search through the Bible, look at what it teaches, death becomes an easier thing to deal with because you know it's just a transition to that which is far better. <clears throat> now then let's take a look here at how death is described in Scripture. Sometimes it's referred to as giving up the ghost. That Acts 5 verse 10 on the outline there. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in good old age, an old man full of years, and gathered to his people. That's Genesis 25, 8. Now turn to Acts 5, verse 10. In Acts 5, verse 10, you're well familiar with the situation of what transpired here with Ananias and Sapphira. And uh, when they lied to the Holy Spirit. They'd sold a piece of land. And uh, they wanted to look good because a lot of people were helping other people. So, well, here's everything we got for that piece of land. But they were lying. And as a result, you know, he was struck down dead. Then look at verse 10. Well, let's take verse 9 too. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord. Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. That's death. She yielded up the ghost, and the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. Giving up the ghost. Kind of unusual wording, isn't it? But that's how death is referred to in Genesis 25, 8 and Acts 5, and verse 10. And then turn to Job 16. Job 16. <clears throat> it's interesting when you just start through the Bible and look at all these things that uh, the Scripture has to say about death. Job 16 and verse 22. When a few years are come, then I shall go the way whence I shall not return. A few years ago, when I was preaching out at Cahutta Road, and a doctor here in town, a lot of you will remember, he wrote a book about people dying and coming back to life. His name was Maurice Rollins. He was my dad's heart doctor. And I can assure you, he and I didn't see eye to eye on a whole lot. But they had a seminar one time down at Tri-County Hospital in Fort Oglethorpe about preachers dealing with families who were going through terminal illness. And I thought, well, I'm going to go to that. And I went. He, he happened to be one of the speakers. And boy, he sat right in about people dying and come back to life. And he said, uh, the Bible says in James 2.26 that the body without the spirit is dead. And he went on to talk for a little while. And then he opened it up. Any comments, questions? So I stood up. And I said, Doctor, you have stated that James 2.26 says that the body without the spirit is dead. 
And I said, that's right. That's exactly what it says. But there's another verse you're overlooking. He said, oh, what's that? I said, Hebrews 9.27 says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So when a person actually dies, they don't come back to life. <laughs> he said, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. He said, I've, had, I've come in on emergency, and I've had my patients tell me their spirit was up floating around over the room and even tell me what color jacket I had on. I said, I don't doubt that. There's a whole lot goes on with this mind that you don't know about and I don't either. But I do know when the Bible teaches that once a person dies, the Spirit's left the body and it's not going to come back. I wish I'd had this verse with me at that time. Uh, when he talks about, I'm, I'm going to leave, I'm going to go where there's no return. And there's no return from death. When death comes... We go to another state, we're totally uh, changed, and we have to realize that. Now then, another way it's described, go to Second Peter chapter 1. <coughs> Second Peter chapter 1 <coughs> and verse 14. Knowing that... Well, let's back up a little bit. Start with verse 13 too. Yea, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle, this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. What do you know? He knew he was going to die. And he's talking about the tabernacle. He's talking about this body. He's going to leave this body. He's going to die. And so death is described then as putting off this tabernacle. Then go to Genesis chapter 3. <laughs> in Genesis 3 and in verse 19. Well, let's take a little context here too and go back to verse 17. And unto Adam he said... Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of, all, of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, that thou shalt eat, thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. That's death. When we die, the body soon deteriorates. And we need to, to realize that's what the Bible says. Now, go to Job again, Job 14. <coughs> Job 14, verse 2. I'm going to go ahead and take verse 1 also. Man that is born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. 
One day it's going to come to an end. He does not continue. And so then, it's a change that comes about as a result of a person dying. It's also described as a departing there at F. For I am in a strait betwixt two, Paul said, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Philippians 1 verse 23. Did he look forward to dying? Sure he did. Because he knew it would be better. And see, that's where it comes in. We as Christians need to understand that it's better on the other side. If you've lived a Christian life here, you have something to look forward to. It's far better to be with Christ. And of course, it's referred to as sleep. Here's several scriptures given here where it's referred to as sleep. Deuteronomy 31, 16, 1 Kings 14, 31, Daniel 12, 2, John 11, 11, Acts 7, 60, 1 Corinthians 15, 6, 8, and 51, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 15. It's described as sleep. Uh, doesn't mean that uh, the person's just asleep. It means death. That's what that has reference to. And then on the other side of your outline, death is inevitable. All people die. For we must needs die. And art as water spilt on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Neither doth God respect any person. Yet he doth devise the means that his banished be not expelled from him. Second Samuel fourteen fourteen. Now, when we sin, we separate ourselves from God. And we've got to bring ourselves back into a right relationship with God. And we do that through obeying the gospel, believing in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, being baptized for mission of sins. And then we're back in a right relationship with God. And we stay in that right relationship as long as we do the will of God. But if we go away from doing the will of God, and we're in that fallen state again. So then, we must needs die. All are going to die. Then in, here in uh, Zechariah 1 verse 5. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? No, we don't live forever here on this earth. We look forward to living forever with God in heaven. But this earth is temporary. We don't live here forever. Sometimes we live like we think we're going to be here forever. But that leads to trouble. We need to realize we're not going to be here forever. Then as it is appointed to unto men once to die. We used this verse earlier. As it is appointed unto men once to die. But after this the judgment. Hebrews 9 verse 27. You can't get around what the scripture teaches. It's very plain. We know that we're going to die. <clears throat> so life passes away. Be there. Man is like to vanity. His days are a shadow that passeth away. Psalm 144 and verse 5. Tommy? Yeah. 
The living know they shall die. Right. Yeah. Neither have they any more a reward for the memory of them which were forgotten. Basically, that means that when you pass on, you don't know anything that's going on on earth. Brother Matt Lyon, when he did a gospel meeting in Trenton, he put it like this. He said this was his own belief that when we die and pass over, uh, we're over there. We know. Right. But he says when we cross over there and we're in the Hayden realm, we know this world exists, but we don't know what's going on. Well, you got, of course, Luke 16th chapter, uh, the rich man, all that, uh, that uh, when he said to him, Son, remember. There's, there's a remembrance there. Uh, but we're not in that realm we're not aware of what's what's going on on earth uh and that's that's what that's dealing with but the bible has so many things like that to help us so that we can understand what's what death is all about and the fact that we do all face it and that one day it's going to come you just can't escape it it's going to come and it's that See there on that one, we shall not stay on earth forever. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. Hebrews 13, verse 14. And that continuing city cannot come until we leave this life. That's why the Christian can look forward to the time of leaving. Because as Paul said, it's better to go be with Christ and have the great blessings that come. As a result of that. <clears throat> and then, uh, should one look forward to death? A man named Simeon did. Lord, now let us thou, thy servant, depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation. That's in Luke 2, verses 29 and 30. Who was Simeon? He was a man who had said he would see, wanted to see the salvation of God. What was it that he saw? Christ. Christ was born, and he got to see that little baby. And so I've seen salvation. He knew who that little baby was and what he had to look forward to. And so then... He could look forward to death. And of course Paul did. We mentioned him earlier, Philippians one twenty three, where I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Far better to go on. And then look at what uh, uh, D, you know, skip C there, go down to D. The day of death is better than the day of birth. A good name is better than precious woman, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 1. But now go to Titus chapter 2. <laughs> In Titus chapter 2, 
It's a beautiful passage here. <clears throat> Look at verse 11 in Titus 2. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. Now notice what the grace of God does here. The grace of God teaches us some things. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. What are we looking for? Looking for the time that Christ will come again. He promised to come again. We know that He will. And so that's something we look forward to, the time that He'll come. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. A lot said in those few verses. Living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present life. And when we're living that way, we don't have to fear death. Because if it comes, it's going to be better anyway. And so we look forward to that time that it comes. So we have these examples of those in the scripture who look forward to death because they knew it was far better beyond this life. And then, lastly, let's take a look at God's power over death. See now that I, even I, I am he, and there is no God with me. I kill, and I make a lie. I wound, and I heal. Neither be there any that can deliver out of my hand. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 39. As you said, God's in charge. Jerry Wright, Steve Pell, and I, maybe others I don't know about, spent some time in a place called Vietnam. We saw a lot of things over there that were very difficult to deal with. But I'll tell you what's fact. We knew one thing. We were a Christian. One night, and during one of the attacks... We were in the bunker where I was. And uh, one of the men in the bunker. Everything was quiet in the bunker. Nobody saying anything. And he said, J.C. I said, what? He said, you're the only man in here that can pray. Are you praying? I talked to him about that the next day. Showed him what the Bible teaches. He was a Mormon, and I guess he still is. Couldn't do anything with him. And that's sad. But I asked him, I said, do you realize what you said? 
that you couldn't even pray to God and that you can put yourself in a position where you can pray to God. If you obey the gospel and become a Christian, then you can pray. But you're right. You couldn't pray to him in the situation you're in. He'd had just a few beers before that attack came, and that was one of his weaknesses, I guess. And we had a man who uh, every night he would get himself completely drunk because he was afraid, afraid one of those attacks would come, afraid of getting killed. And he came in one night so drunk that he fell across his bed and he was laying there and we had an attack. I crawled to him and drug him off his bed, got him in the bunker. I told him the next day, I said, that's the last time I'll ever do that. I won't risk my life to get you in a bunker when you could be sober and able to take care of yourself. And so I won't ever do that again. I never did have to. <laughs> it sobered him up a little bit. But you saw things over there and Jerry... Steve can tell you, saw things over there that amazing what happens with, with people. Then here at A1, the Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. First Samuel 2, verse 6, he's going to resurrect us. We all go into the grave, but he's going to resurrect us. He'll bring us up. He that is our God is the God of salvation. And unto God the Lord belongeth the issues of from death. Psalm 68 verse 20. And of course God's power over death is demonstrated in raising Christ from the dead. But is now manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 2 Timothy 2.10 And of course Christ demonstrated the power of God over death. For as much then as the children are protectors of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, Hebrews 3, verse 6. You remember what was said in Genesis 3? That thou shalt bruise his heel. He's going to bruise your head. He proved the power of God over the, over the devil when he was resurrected from the dead. And of course, Christ has the keys of hell and death. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Revelation 1 verse 18. So that conclusion there, we need to understand death as it's taught in the Bible. When we understand death as taught in the Bible, the faithful Christian doesn't have to fear it but can look forward to that time coming when he can go be with Christ, be in much better situation than we'll ever have here on this earth. So just some things there you've got an outline you can take a look at, but uh, something to give us a little thought about what the Bible teaches concerning something we're all faced with, that we're going to die, and after that, the resurrection will come and we'll stand before God in judgment. And if we've lived that godly, righteous life here, we'll be able to go home and live with God in heaven. 
And that's what this life is all about. Preparing to go live with God in heaven. So I hope that will be helpful to you. <laughs>